All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NFL podcast. It's Thursday. It's December 3rd. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is... James Davis. And we are coming at you with a cash game podcast here for week 13 as the NFL, a weird and wacky NFL season, um, mixes in with a weird and wacky world. Uh, and we continue to try to just navigate the I don't know, complexities of how which when games are going to be played. Uh, this week we have um, two teams on buys. That's uh, Tampa Bay and Carolina because the scheduling get messed up. We have two Monday games this week and then have a Tuesday game because of the way Pittsburgh and Baltimore ended up shaking out. Uh, so, you know, not that it's going to matter too much because we're going to talk about the main slate here for Cash Game Podcast. But I don't know. We had an interesting little Wednesday yesterday where we get daytime Wednesday football for the first time ever. Didn't mind it, by the way. You know, kind of sitting around on a, sitting around doing some other stuff on a Wednesday, writing up cash picks, got a game in the background. But we were kind of, we were, I don't know. I, do you, I mean, this is the only time we're going to probably get a Wednesday day game. Was that the biggest betting sweat we've had in a while in terms of, <laughs> in terms of the Pittsburgh, way, the Pittsburgh yeah. money line and the P- Pittsburgh points, which I absolutely cannot believe they didn't cover minus five, like whatever. But yeah, I mean, you want to walk through the day real quick and then we can just kind of move into the cash games. <laughs> sure. So, uh, all right. So. How much context do we? I don't want think to you need here? to give all the context behind all like, the, the context. Money okay, so anyway, I, I don't normally bet as much as I bet on the Steelers money line for this game, simply because, well, for one major reason, which was that I was able to get the bet basically right as it was revealed that the Ravens would be without like twenty guys for right. the game, right? So I hammered the money line probably ten times more higher or something like that than my normal unit. Um, just because I was totally sure that it would go up, and it did. It wound up, you know, being up around was it minus five something, minus five fifty or something. By the time kickoff happened, I felt great about it. I was a little nervous when it got pushed from Tuesday to Wednesday because I I didn't know how many more Ravens that would free up for the game. But yeah, felt great about it. And then we also one of our picks last week <laughs> prior to Thanksgiving was Steelers minus five. And that I was that was when that. and that was when all things were just equal in yes, terms of health. Like right. we liked that bet just in, if if Baltimore was full strength. Exactly, exactly. So we so we miss it on Thursday, but then we're like, okay, that's just absolutely locked up money at this point, right? The line jumps to 10.5 towards the Steelers, and it's, uh, what did you say? You said it was like an odds boost bet, right? Like that the yeah. casinos would give you sometimes? Yeah, it's like what, um, it's like it's like the, the Saquon Barkley, you know, over over one and a half yards or whatever that Fanduel gave, or over seven and a half yards that Fanduel <laughs> yeah, gave exactly. earlier in the season. And he like finished with six, and pe- people just like it's like what what just happened here? Like it's like that it's not it's a bet that's not supposed to lose. Yeah, so you get it, and then so then we get in, and sometimes you get this feeling, you know, like when you've when you've made a big bet. I've had this, you know, there, there was a little spell where I was getting into counting cards of blackjack, and I was like, could do it, you know, I could do it profitably. I'd just wait for the right rules and, and figure it out. But then, like when I really took a big stab on it, the gambling guys like, nah, you're just not going to be like a professional blackjack player. That's just not the path right now. Right. So, you know, they just deal it to you. That's how it felt early on in that Steelers game. First, we get the touchdown. And then Boswell mixes the extra point, and I was like, hmm, <laughs> this really, this already feels good. But then RG3 looks absolutely abysmal, just can't do anything. Right. And then, of course, my boy Ray Ray McLeod drops the punt. Baltimore gets the ball on the five-yard line, promptly punches it in. This is right after they had given a running play to Justice Hill, who no one's ever heard of, um, like third and 23 prior to that. So they're like, all right, Baltimore losing on purpose. They just don't want anyone else to get hurt. Uh, and then it becomes... The comedy of errors that we all watch from there. Uh, but then we, we have it 19-7. And I text you something like, I'm going to shuffle off this moral coil if uh, <laughs> Tracy McSorley <laughs> leads them back for two scores. And they lose this absurdly big money line bet. And then, uh, yeah, 
the rest is history. <laughs> well, it gets, goes out there. Yeah, well, he, and he throws a touchdown pass, and it gets like, and, and then the Pittsburghs like passing. I don't, we don't need to do the. We're doing the whole game here, but it ended up being one of the more interesting when just in terms of us, like just general, just betting sweats that I've had in a really long time. And again, cannot believe they didn't cover the minus, just push the minus five. I just, but that's uh, that's the brilliant part about it. McSorley throws the touchdown pass right. <laughs> to Brown, <laughs> making it exactly nineteen fourteen. So we don't lose. So that was better than than losing, I guess. But man, it was still a. But it was a roller coaster of emotions because I won the big money line bet, but then I felt kind of entitled to it at some point, like watching how bad that Ravens offense was. I was like, no, I should win this. So I was like, kind of mad that it was even close. But then I was like, oh, we're also going to stack this minus five. Mixor really looks abysmal. And then they get the ridiculous touchdown. So, any roller coaster of emotions, but uh, the good guys did finish ahead on the day. And that's how gambling is going to go sometimes. So. All good right, time. let's uh, let's roll through some Week 13 cash game picks here. I'll go position by position. We'll be back again tomorrow on Friday uh, to do a game-by-game game breakdown where we talk about every game in the main slate and throw some bets out there as well. Betting article and cash game article up or are up on DFSR.com right now. Let's start with quarterback. Uh, this is just the, the theme for the season is that he's just the position you have to pay for. I've been on the wrong side of the chalk a couple times this year. Been on the right side of the ch- uh, the non chalk a couple times. Uh, you know, last week with this with Kyler and Josh Allen. So you know, no matter what, we've been in a situation where we just feel, and mo- and this is how it's mostly rolled. Is that you, this is just a position you have to pay for? There's a group at the top, uh, and you really and this is you know kind of and you get enough savings elsewhere. Uh, I started with Russ. You know, he plays the Giants. The matchup is great. He's the you know one of the I think he's second to Mahomes right now overall. In fantasy scoring, uh, he's third in terms of quarterbacks. It's Mahomes, and this is DraftKings points. Mahomes, then Kyler, then Russ. So there's really like statistically, it's not you don't have to go and make a great case here for for Wilson. He's just he's just great. The Giants are you know not all that great against the pass. My only concern here would be I think that the game script gets away from him, right? Like that they're big favorites. Mm. And that they just lean on the ground. Now they have they have Carson back. Hyde. They give the ball to a lot. How concerned are you, would you be with that piece of it? I don't think statistically we need to just sit here and go through all the stats. He's great, right? But are we concerned right. at all that this game kind of gets downhill for the Seahawks and that's just kind of the end of it for for Russ? Or we just kind of we we get you know sniped off points because they just don't need to they just don't need to keep their foot on the gas. I don't. I'm not that worried about it to be honest. I mean, we saw a Reese. Reasonable analog to this last week against Philly. Um, Seahawks get up. They had Carson there. Carson touched the ball 10 times. You know, the other guys in the backfield for Seattle have been pretty uninspiring as well. I don't think the Seahawks are, or Wilson in particular, is as big a risk for this as quarterbacks with really good running games. And Wilson is just such an effective short yardage passer, too, that, and he just doesn't, you know, he can, he protects the ball really well. Uh, I think there are a number of factors that, point to him being just a totally fine play I, i'm definitely not overly worried about this uh, i think when it comes to game script concerns it's really important to look at guys just on a per team basis and how teams have handled similar situations in the past and we just haven't seen wilson get game scripted out of games yet so i'm going to assume that here in week 13 that's not going to happen this week either okay so well and it's funny because with the first with the three cash game guys that i wrote up i i see like sort of an issue with all three and i think that it's going to be the decision between these three guys and so i'll go through like what i see is maybe the problems for each so wilson i said i'm a little worried about game script they're minus 10 home favorites right now not the the line isn't all that great and one of the reasons our big favorites is that it looks like the giants I mean, the Giants aren't that good anyway, but they're also going to be without Daniel Jones because Colt McCoy is going to play. So this is where they get into a situation where it's, it, might be, it might be hard for the Giants to kind of keep any kind of pace here. The second guy I wrote up is Justin Herbert, who 
continues to just throw the ball an absolute ton this season. Um, he just it's forty passing attempts like every game. He also gets out and mm-hmm. runs. He's been really one of the true. They're just I mean, surprises uh, in terms of just how good he's been from a fantasy perspective, even if the team simply can't get out of its own way. I could have done an entire podcast about the end of the Chargers game last week, which just had me <laughs> I, I had me just completely beyond it. Anyway, I'm not going to go through it. It's again. week after week after week with this Chargers team. I it's mean, been, uh, never mind. I mean, I know, I it's a good thing they have no fans because if, if this was like the Steelers that this was happening to, you'd be seeing heads on spikes. <laughs> it's an absolute disaster. It was it was just it was true. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So um right this season Herbert is QB seven. Yeah. Uh seven or eight. Yeah, he's eight, but he's also a game behind a lot of these other guys because he didn't play the first game of the season. So um, you know, give him one more game and he's probably he probably rounds out into the top five. My concern here is that the you know the total's okay forty seven, but it's against this Patriots team, which we saw last week when we played Kyler, is that they're so slow and there were some other extenuating circumstances with just like how the Cardinals, you know, kind of end up playing. But they play so slow with Cam in the running game, 58.7 opponent plays per game, which is so much fewer than most other teams. Are mm-hmm. we concerned at all about getting Herbert paced out of this? Because, look, he gets another weapon back. They threw to Eckler a ton. We're going to talk about him. He has the weapons. It's all there. And I'm just worried that we see what happened again last week where New England just controls the clock to the point where you just get so many fewer possessions. I am concerned about it. I think that going with like basically implied total makes perfect sense. The Patriots can be pretty bad on a per play basis, but if they allow fewer plays, uh, that can be tough to sort of calculate how that will affect us for DFS reasons. I'd probably rather not play Herbert, all things considered. I mean, I think he'll be good on a per play basis once again, but um, but yeah, I don't know. Something about it leaves me a little bit lukewarm. I will say it's really reassuring how he used Eckler last week. Uh, Eckler is a you know, prolific pass catching back already. The fact that he got 16 targets in the passing game, um, you know, once again, leads me to believe that Herbert will be a, a part of the game no matter what's going on. But this game is also getting pe- bet pretty hard in the Patriots direction too. That line, you know, the uh, Chargers opened at minus one and a half. It's now minus one for the Pats. Yeah, that so. completely flipped. Yeah. Um, That's I actually, a pretty big swing. Yeah. Uh, I like the Chargers side of that bet, by the way. But the... um. Uh, but that's it's it is hard to account for the coaching. Okay, so we're okay, so we have concerns there. So then the third guy is Taysom Hill, who we have only have to go back two weeks to see this exact same matchup that Hill had because they played the Falcons two weeks yeah. ago and then play him now. And that was Hill's first game, two thirty three through the air, had another forty nine uh, on the ground with two touchdowns, and he followed it up with two touch against touch, touchdowns against Denver. The passing yards weren't there, but the game was completely out of hand. Uh, and they just really didn't really they really took very few risks uh, in the Denver game because they just didn't need to. Right. Like it was like, let's mm. just let's just run. Um, they kept the ball even out of Kamara's hands a lot. But I don't know, like with Hill, you get a price down. By the way, this game's total is pretty low, too. Um, this game uh, has only a forty five and a half total with New Orleans, a slight two and a half point favorites. Mostly the total, there's, the, the totals this week are really, are really pretty low across the board. It's only a couple games, even over 50 on the over unders. But. What do you think about Hill? He's we get some savings here. Feels like we get a lot of safety on the ground. Yeah, I, I think, and I'm gonna kind of wash away the Denver passing piece where he was the, where he wasn't that efficient. Um, this game will be in a dome uh, in Atlanta. Do you think we just go down the hill, take some savings, and just see what we get at the other positions? Because we knowing that we have some other concerns, or is just Wilson just better than the rest of the group, and that's the way we go? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, so yeah, Hill. I mean, it's not great that we saw him get game scripted out last week but it was such a beating that it's not especially surprising the fact that he's giving you 10 carries a game on the ground that it's a you know half of a good running back right and he's effective on those carries he gets the goal line carries um 
so it's kind of hard to quantify. He's a very unusual player in that regard. Like, he's not breaking these big long runs, but the volume is still there. And he was pretty efficient when he faced this Atlanta team in his first game. Now, people could argue that's because Atlanta had no real way to game plan for this, right? Like, people weren't sure. James, they probably thought James Winston was going to start on Monday or Tuesday of that week. So, uh, you know, it's possible that they kind of caught Atlanta with their pants down and Hill was a more effective passer than they anticipated he would be. So, uh, but yeah, I I think Hill is pretty reasonable here. Um, I can't say I'm over the moon about the first two plays that we discussed. You know, thinking more about Wilson, you know, I'd said he doesn't get game scripted out. But Seattle just has been passing the ball less in general in the last three weeks. I think it's something like 55 to 60 percent of their plays have been passes in those weeks in spite of two weeks where they probably should have been passing more. So maybe I uh, kind of overstated that. But and when quarterback starts to feel not so great, I don't mind paying less for it. Yeah, it's it, this is a weird week. This is a week where I feel a lot less. Like last week, I was like, man, you could play Murray or Josh Allen. And I feel like it's been each week we've had this like really good, obvious premier play. And none of these really jumps off the page for me that way. Yeah, uh, I have some other guys I want to talk about tomorrow when we go game by game. Uh, so I don't think we need to do that right now. But I think there sure. are maybe a few other options just because I, we've already pointed out a couple problems with the guys yeah. here. All right, let's go through the running back situation. We have probably some injury news that we're going to need to wait on even though it's Thursday but you know f- have some have a few more days to kind of you know piece through whatever the injury situation where you can decide where do you want to start here with running back yeah I think it has to start with Austin Eckler uh he's seven thousand dollars on FanDuel 7100 on DraftKings which is you know about a thousand less than he was when he was the primary ball handler for LA uh, almost said San Diego. That's yeah. not where they live anymore. Um, and then he had basically like a Christian McCaffrey type usage last week, right? Uh, he had 30 opportunities. So that's carries plus targets. 16 of those were targets against the Bills. I mean, that's like absolutely out of this world. Got this great matchup with the Patriots. Uh, he is a, a tremendous safety blanket for Herbert. Still a young quarterback, you know. Uh, I think Eckler is just almost a must play. Uh, the other big thing about this this week is that there really is a dearth of cheap running backs that are available to us right now. Um, you know, we'll men- mention a few guys in a second who could become available for us as the week goes along. But all of like the plays that look decent are pretty expensive. And I think Eckler at 7,000 really just opens up a lot of, a lot of business elsewhere for you. Yeah. I think he's going to be the chalk. Um, he played it, you know, coming back from the IR, it was a little unclear what his just snap count was going to be. That was those, those concerns were laid to rest. He played 60 yeah. of the 83 offensive plays, um, you know, with Kelly and Pope kind of slotting in there a little bit. Kelly got a few, you know, attempts on the ground and was decent, but yeah, look, 30 touches, you're not going to beat this. So um, I think Eckler is even with the pacing issues that we mentioned with new England, there's just, it, it, there's just very few worlds where he destroys you famous last words, but um, he's just, just too cheap. And yeah, that's, that's the it. bottom line. You know, you could have more concerns if he was 8,500, which is arguably around where his price should be. It's not. So you just play him and then you, you know, you deal with it. If, if you have him at 85% ownership or whatever, and it doesn't come in, but moving on things, I think do get quite a bit dicier. Um, another guy that, us and probably everyone will look at again this week is Dalvin Cook. So Cook was over 50% owned on FanDuel last week. He had his worst fantasy performance of the season by far. Um, he also is banged up right now, so it's not like totally clear that he'll even wind up playing this weekend. If he does, if he does get the full green light, I think you'll see big-time ownership on him once again. Um, I mean, listen, they're 10-point favorites, the Vikings are. They are the team among all teams in the league that is say, we're, we're just going to shut the passing game down if we get up, right? Yep. Happy to give the ball to Cook 30 times a game this year. 
in game scripts like that. The Jags are just a terrible defense. I think they're second only ahead of New England in terms of the worst defenses in the leagues per D or the worst defenses in the league per DVOA. So yeah, I think Cook will be like if people are like, oh Cook now looks great in practice by Friday, he'll be another of the highest owned running backs on the slate. We also get a five hundred dollar discount on him coming into this week in spite of having a better matchup in uh, prospective game script. So yeah, he's just a good play all around. Yeah, I think you'll see some questions around, be, uh, at least on FanDuel, uh, between him and Derrick Henry, who's 500 less. Um, so, but uh, we can talk about that on the Game to Game podcast because um, you know Henry continues to see major usage too. Those guys just sit in a class of the, by themselves in terms of how many times the teams are willing to give them yeah. the ball when things are going well. Uh, so, and and Henry, I, Henry just might play till he's 80. I like the, <laughs> this guy. Like I, like you watch under. This, I'll I, take the under. I, I'll take the under. <laughs> I guess, but begrudgingly. So um, I just it's not. Well, the be thing where people are like Henry gets stronger as the season goes along, and that's like the type of thing people say when they really haven't looked into things at all. <laughs> but then when you see him going out and like tough matchups the last two weeks, compiling like, 300 plus yards and four touchdowns, you're like. I don't know. <laughs> this is what he, I mean. Like every once in a while, yeah. Every once in a while, you just get the guy who, like, just defies every reasonable expectation yeah. around what it's going to be. He has just real quick. He has like forty more carries than the next closest guy, which is Cook on, on the season. That's you know, let's two good That's games, ridiculous. two good games on the ground, but more than the next closest guy. He's fifty more than Josh Jacobs. <laughs> so it's just like an absolute, absolute unbelievable usage. Um, let me just throw out a couple more guys here that um, I will get one. Get your thoughts on uh, the guys that are showing up our system. We have Jonathan Taylor coming back from the COVID uh, IR after a week where he had touched the ball a ton. David Montgomery, they're actually favorites against the mm. Lions. Um, any any of these guys kind of jump out to you, or did I miss somebody? Uh, no, not really. I don't really want to play any of the guys you mentioned. I guess David Montgomery. I mean, he has seen better usage, but it seems kind of volatile to me. It, it kind of comes and goes and. You know, last game against Green Bay, he was super effective. He had 103 yards on 11 carries. He had six targets as well, including a receiving touchdown. Like, that's that's really good. But, you know, getting 17 touches can really be pretty awful as well, especially given that they don't have a passing game to balance it. I mean, we saw what happened with, against Tennessee where he had 17 touches and turned it into four fantasy points, right? So um, it can certainly go pear-shaped there. Not that it's necessarily likely to against the Lions, but, you know, he touched the ball 16 times against them. Uh, in their first game, and he turned it into 74 yards and nothing else, right? So, I don't know. It doesn't feel great. I, I could see doing it. I mean, he's in the class with these guys like, you know, Kenyon Drake is probably a similar guy to him where it's like you're going to get maybe high teens touches. That's kind of what you're looking for. Could turn into yards, maybe sneaks in a touchdown. Uh, nothing exciting. The, the big thing we're keeping an eye on is Josh Jacobs' status. Um, the last word on him was that he has a quote-unquote chance to play which sounds like it's less likely that he'll play than not. Um, in which case, uh, Devontae Booker, I think, would be a terrific play. Booker, he's in that same price tier as Montgomery. Uh, Vegas has obviously been quite good at running the ball this season with Jacobs. Uh, we've seen Booker be effective on a per-touch basis from time to time this season. He's just 6,000, and more importantly, uh, they've got the Jets, so the game script should be firmly in his favor. I think he would be a guy I'd be excited about playing in that, in that price tier should Jacobs miss this one. Yeah, Jets a bad defense, much better against the run, I should say. They're yeah, that's terrible. True. De- they're dead last against the pass and eighth against the run on the season. So take that for what it's worth. Could be some of that 
could just be overall game scripts where they're just loading up because the other teams just are running the ball because they stink mm-hmm. near, near the end of the game. So it's, sometimes these get these numbers get a little bit weird. But overall, it's I mean, undeniable that they're much better, at least against that piece of the uh, the offense, than they are against the pass. Uh, and you, you mentioned and we're just going to keep an eye on the Jacobs piece going forward. And so I think we're going to be I think we're going to be kind of stuck in with at least a couple of these guys, not stuck in the mid tier in terms of price with running backs, because I think we can lock Eckler in and then we'll just kind of figure out what's going to happen along the margins. Let's talk wide receiver. The big news this week, I think, if people are going to see it this way, is that Will Fuller was suspended six games mm. for PED violations, and that he that takes away he was the second most targeted guy on Houston this season with the most yards and the most touchdowns. I The matchup is not great here against Indianapolis, but it's hard to imagine a guy like Cooks, who we've you know run out pretty consistently here in cash this season, isn't just... It's hard to imagine that the opportunity like falls off for him, right? The opportunity has already been <laughs> totally de- agree. Decent. And then also, like these these are famous last ones for us sometimes. Yeah, but we were already excited about playing Cooks in some weeks, right? So I'm with you. He, he runs different routes than Fuller. Like this is the risk sometimes, right? Where you're like, ah, oh, well, the number one guy went down, so we'll give it to the number two guy. It doesn't always work out that way, simply because you know they're running different routes, right? So it's not like the balls that they were going to throw to Fuller, they're not just going to throw in a you know, some route to Cooks that's, you know, a much shorter passing play. So it won't be one-to-one, but it still seems like even if you add two targets to Cooks' total, he'd be an automatic play. So we love Cooks, but it's not like, you know, don't pencil him in for 16 targets this week. And I do think you know, Kiki Kute is should be should be the next guy up. Mm-hmm. Um, they have Isaiah Coulter too, but I, Kute at least has was the third in snaps because they. The other thing that happened here, and this is probably an oops on, on Houston's part, although who cares? Maybe they might not care. Is that they actually released Kenny Stills two weeks ago to allow him to maybe clear waivers and go to a contending team? And Randall Cobb is hurt, so they're really really banged up or just missing guys in the wide receiver core. Uh, we'll see how it ends up working out. Maybe it ends up going more to the running back situation here. Like I said, the matchup isn't great. Would you be comfortable with a guy like Kute? Mostly on DraftKings, where he's like in the 3,500 range. I don't think I really want to do it on FanDuel. But um, 3,500 for a guy who, I mean, should see more attempts. He was hurt to start the season. Could you, If you saw him pop up in cash games, would you, I know, would you hold your nose at it? No, no. I think we've seen plenty. Like, even if it's not fully this season, we've seen track records of Watson and Kuti being compatible in the past and you know like if you look at the game logs you're not excited when you see what Kuti's been up to but uh, he's so so cheap and you know if he gets something like six targets I think you're that's a profitable play at that point. All right, a guy I want your opinion on here because he's showing up in all of our lineups right now, and I think I'm okay with it. Is Michael Thomas? Hmm. So Thomas, we dinged him, you know, a lot when Drew Brees went out, when we didn't really know what was going to be, uh, you know, the plan of attack in terms of their passing game. Uh, but I think we've seen what the plan of attack is going to be with their passing game. And that's just good. He's going to get a majority of the targets still, right? Yeah. So if you look back against that Atlanta game that we mentioned a couple weeks ago, he had 12 targets in that game, turned it into nine for 104, no touchdowns, but you like that usage. And then last week, only six targets, but they only passed the ball like 16 <laughs> right. times. So he had, you know, more than 33% of the target share in a game where they didn't throw the ball at all. Uh, he ended up with... Uh, and like 65% of the receiving yards too. Like he was the only, that was the only effective passing play that the Saints ran last week exactly he had more receiving yards right than anyone else combined everyone else combined so what do you think I mean is he feel safe enough in, in at least with good conditions do you have enough is, is two games here enough from, from Taysom Hill to say 
because we're getting him at a, at a deep discount probably for the target share just because he's been trashed most of the season but and he's been hurt and it's been all it's been a, a weird situation but would you be feel comfortable here with thomas absolutely I mean, this, okay. this feels like a odds boost bet to me especially 7200 on FanDuel. that's comical uh one thing i noted about this situation coming out of the first atlanta game was how little kamara was used right and i think this yeah. is an important important note here for whatever reason kamara and hill haven't been on the same page uh, Kamara one target against Atlanta, two targets against Denver. So while Thomas's usage is tracking with what it was when Breeze was in there, Kamara's really isn't. And if some of those targets, that's a lot of targets coming off of Kamara, right? You're talking about between six to 13 targets a game, depending on the matchup. So, you know, reallocating those, obviously most of those are going to funnel into Thomas, who, you know, can actually do a lot of the same stuff that Kamara does. Uh, in terms of catching short routes and so on. So, yeah, I love Thomas this week. It's way, way, way too cheap. That, that's a joke of a price, and I'd be really surprised if he didn't have big-time ownership this week. Yeah, in 7K on, on DraftKings, too, I think you're just fine with it, right? The the, yeah. the number of targets he's seen over the last two weeks is just enough for me to say, okay, this is still very much the plan, even mm-hmm. if the quarterback is different. And Hill has been, look, he was, like I said, Hill was really efficient in his first game, yeah. uh, at least in terms of converting passes. After these guys, I'll just throw out a couple more, uh, just guys we can nod at here. Jar- Jarvis Landry coming off a big week in terms of targets. They mm-hmm. are going to get a game where at least it's, this has the highest total of the week at 54, this Tennessee-Cleveland game. I th- can see playing Landry in cash especially if Cleveland uh, is playing catch-up. I'm just going to throw this out here right now. Cleveland stinks. I wrote This was the easiest bet I wrote up. Now, I got it early at like Tennessee minus 3.5. And, like, and this game, it instantly shot to 6 after the opening line went up, or 5.5, 6. Ten, Cleveland's been outscored in the season, like, by yeah. 21 points or something. They're the biggest smoke and mirrors team in football. I, I know that's neither here nor there for this for this play, but more to be, uh, say that I do think they're going to be playing from behind in this game, and I like Landry's chances at 6,000, especially on FanDuel. That, that feels like a fairly safe play, if not a lock. Uh, and then the only other guys to consider, uh, it'll be interesting to see what people do with the Minnesota passing attack because Justin Jefferson was a cash game uh, lock for us last week, had a huge game. Jacksonville's terrible passing defense, but they're ten point Minnesota's ten point favorites, and they're getting Adam Thielen back from the COVID list. So I just don't know. We can talk about this on the on the game to game podcast tomorrow, but I, I do think people are going to want to talk themselves into some of this Minnesota's passing attack. But I get a little worried that they're getting a guy back, and we had an extenuating circumstance last week. Yeah, that's a uh, tough one, man. Like that that Justin Jefferson versus Thielen one. I, I don't want to be on the wrong side of Justin Jefferson chalk to be sure. But let's keep in mind, like this, this has all the makings of a bubble price for him, right? Because yeah, he's been good certainly on a per target basis throughout the season. Yeah. Last week you had the combination of him being seven hundred dollars less on Fanduel and having no Thielen and everything kind of working out perfectly in terms of him getting two touchdowns. Right? He still only has seventy receiving yards, so um, you have to be pretty damn good to be at 7700 and he hasn't been that throughout the year you know that's just the the facts in the case right so um because again like minnesota will have it be fine throwing the ball 22 times in a game like this is this is absolutely part of the problem. if they're right? up like, 10 points in the first quarter jefferson's gonna get eight targets or something or seven even and that's not enough <laughs> at that price point so yeah that that's a tricky spot and still i would be terrified like if i saw him at 60 percent ownership yeah. i wouldn't fist pump um just because the I just feel like it would be pretty high variance at that point. All right, walk us through tight ends. I actually have a couple guys I don't mind uh, yeah, this same. week, which is which is weird. Uh, we played Kelsey last week. He, again, Casey's once again not on the main slate. But yeah, um, yeah. but uh, walk us through tight ends. Sure. So there are two six thousand dollars tight ends on Fanduel that I'm looking at. Both are pretty similar in my mind, 
you know, Hunter Henry and Evan Ingram. Um, and I think the case for both is, is essentially this exact same. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know how much, too much how to get into it, but, um, the case is that they're both just getting real life big boy targets and no tight ends do. So that's, that's why I like them, Doug. <laughs> right. Their quarterback actually throws the ball to them occasionally. Uh, both of them had 10 targets last week. Um, you know, the kind of tail of the tape here is that with Henry, you just have a better offense and a better quarterback situation. And so I guess I would lean in that direction, even though the production hasn't like totally been there every single week. Like the fact that he's just going to get four catches and yeah, Herbert's just a real NFL quarterback for sure. Where like Daniel Jones maybe is, maybe isn't. Um, the fact that Henry, the offense is better. So he'll score more touchdowns, right? He's got a touchdown in two of the last three games as well. I think I'd lean there, but Ingram, you know, in terms of just raw target share has been like the last four weeks, not right there with Kelsey, but just like a step behind. So actually for the last five weeks, he's got nine plus targets. He had 129 receiving yards last week against the Bengals. Of course, we played him in the three target game against Philly. So I guess that's, you know, potentially part of the resume as well. But, um, but yeah, both of those guys strike me as very similar and, and I'd be happy with either in cash. Yeah, the only thing I'm concerned with Ingram is just the quarterback change here yeah. um, with McCoy, and you know maybe it just ends up not mattering because this is just kind of where we are with tight ends. I think there's a couple of flyer guys we can probably look into, like Jordan Aikens. It should that be nothing more than a flyer, and that's just like you know opening up some targets. And I wouldn't. He's coming off a two target week, so it's like not it's not any great shakes here. Uh, but again, this is the nature of the position. Uh, you, you know, you have to wipe off some of these Philly guys because Zach Ertz is coming back. Uh, you can't trust the Green Bay situation. I'm just go, going through. You don't want to pay up out. for Darren Waller, probably. I mean, he, he's a guy that's flirting around our system but paying up a tight end is like you know that's a luxury and that's the fancy dinner you go out to when you get your bonus at the end of the year not the place you go every tuesday for date night <laughs> so right, yeah uh, i don't know that we can just drop seven thousand on a guy who listened like his resume the last five weeks is not better than evan ingram's right so you can't pay the extra thousand um you make a good point about the quarterback play being even worse than usual uh for ingram and i, I certainly should have noted that but uh but yeah, add it all together, you're going to go, I think you're going to wind up going mid-range here. I don't see, and speculating on Akins, I think that that's like a classic, that would be a classic tight end mistake. There's just no telling that Will Fuller's extra targets will go to Jordan Akins, right? So um, so that's, that's a note for me. I don't think we can do that in cash. Yeah, I was looking real quick if I could see um, just where, uh, where McCoy's, where he targeted Ingram in the passing game. Um, he had two targets to Ingram, as I can tell. He only had 10 total passes. So, yeah. um, it's just 20% like, it's not, target share. It's just not going to be enough to like just completely figure this thing out. Uh, okay, we're going to be back again tomorrow going through game by game. We'll have hopefully have at that point have a few more injury pieces sorted out after Thursday's practice. I got my kids screaming in the background here, so she's Why excited not, for me to be on the podcast. Yeah, whatever, we'll just leave it in. All right, uh, DFSR.com is the site, dailyfantasysportsrankings.com, dfsr.com slash deals we'll get you started uh, on our premium subscription service and that's going to include nfl but if you sign up now you're going to get nba which is less than three weeks away uh, as it is so uh, it's all covered under one subscription package so go check that out dfsr.com slash deals buddy talk to you again tomorrow when we roll through every game on the main slate let's do it